Hey, Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S-P-L-I-T-T-I-K-S. So what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code All Things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Welcome everybody to the All Things Bucks podcast. I am your co-host Corey Hayes. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And it's your co-host CJ. I'm back. Had a nice short vacation. Uh, It feels good to be back, but we have to talk about football, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, welcome back, CJ. Uh, you were missed in the week that you were gone. Um, it was nice to have Kel step in for one episode and give his take on what he's seen with the Bucks. But great to have you back. Let's go ahead and hop right into the topic of discussion, the Redskins game. First things first, let's go ahead and talk about special teams right now and your favorite player, Chandler Catanzaro. Catanzaro? Uh, yeah, can't kick Zaro. Um, one for three on field goals. Oh, that's that's not good, not good, Mister Candero. It looks like uh your tenure in Tampa is over. Once once the personnel talk about you and everything that went wrong with the game, look for yourself to pack your bags from Tampa because you're gone, son. You've cost the team too many points already this year. Uh, probably more points than Aguayo cost the team, and Aguayo got released. So I, I'd expect you to be gone as well, Mr. Canzero. And the Buccaneers worked out two kickers last week. So I'd expect them to pick up one of those kickers, and my best guess would be Cairo Santos, who's a veteran kicker who almost doesn't miss when he kicks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's just no excuse for this. This is a weekly thing where, where Canzaro is missing kicks and this game was a close game for the longest this was probably the best performance our defense has put on all season the best all season and containing the opposing offense and in close games every point matters and those kicks that were missed crucial points in the game actually if he would have just made all his kicks would have been up at a point in the game it would have been six to nine so there is no we could have changed the momentum of the game exactly. with his made kicks. The momentum of the game could have been changed entirely if the kicks would have been made. It just dejected the whole team that you're going out there and you're missing kicks that should be made, especially chip shots. We're at home. It's perfect weather. What is the issue? The only issue I see right now is you still on this team because we need to get somebody in here that can make kicks. And it's been too many times that you missing kicks has killed the momentum on the team and hurt the team moving forward within the game for adjustments or whatever it may be. And this is not only on you as the kicker. This is also on the organization because we've been having kicking issues since we released Matt Bryant and that curse is still going on. 
Oh yeah, the curse is definitely real. We've seen it firsthand. People like to talk about Aguayo was a bad kicker. Well, Aguayo was automatic from under 40 yards, and that's where Catanzaro has missed all of his kicks. So Aguayo would have been a different story this year had he been our kicker. Um, a funny thing about Chandler Catanzaro as well during this game, uh, Craig from Vegas actually put a tweet on Twitter, and it said, when practicing kicks on the sideline, Chandler Catanzaro missed the practice net. Wow. How do you miss the practice net? H- how do you miss the practice net? <laughs> and they said he did it multiple times. I saw multiple people say that he was missing the practice net. You could tell on the broadcast that he was he was dejected. His head was down after every kick. He he knew he was done, and it took a toll on him. It's a mental game, but that's your job. You need to make your kicks, and if you're not going to make your kicks, then you won't have a job, plain and simple. Yeah, that's your only job. You got to make your kicks. You got to make your kicks. Yeah, if you don't make your kicks, then then you're done. The uh, It takes away points from, from your team that could definitely help you in the long run. Like you said, CJ, uh, we could have been ahead had he made his three kicks. Dustin Hopkins was three for three on the day, and they only scored one touchdown on their offense. So we definitely could have been ahead, and the momentum could have been in our way. But no, you want to miss kicks. Can't kick zero, so... I expect you to be off this team pretty soon once uh once the team has their little meetings in the morning on Monday and then we'll see what happens from there if the Bucks go and work out another kicker if they just bring in Cairo Santos because they already worked him out. It is what it is. Sorry man. Nothing personal, just business. Get off our team. <laughs> it's a business. It is a business, and like you said, CJ, it's nothing personal. We just we just need somebody that's going to consistently get points for our team. When when our offense can't put it in for seven or even six for that matter, because our kicker can't make an extra point, we need a kicker that can make a field goal or an extra point to add extra points onto the board in order for us to get victories. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about our offense for a moment. We were talking about it before we started recording the podcast, CJ, and. According to Elias Sports, the Buccaneers are the first team in NFL history with over 500 yards of total offense and three points. Three points and 500 yards of total offense. Let's let's get started with this offense right now, actually. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick went 29 for 41 for 406 yards. Another 400-yard game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. But all the people that talk about Jameis' stats, stats don't matter if you don't win. So another 400-yard game does not matter because what happened? We took the L. We took the L 16-3. So he had 406 yards and no touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, Wasn't that the same reason that Jameis Winston got pulled from the game was interceptions? In the last two games, Fitz has had four interceptions. And he's fumbled the ball just like Jameis. Yes, Jameis had four interceptions in one game against the Bengals. But that's the reason why Jameis was on the bench. And when the team has their meetings on Monday, I fully expect Jameis to be put back into the number one position as our quarterback. Yeah, you would expect that um, because there's really, at this point, three and six playoffs are out of, they're not out of reach. It's not impossible. But the way the team has been playing, it's out of reach. You're basically playing right now to see who's staying on the team um, as far as players. It's like a preseason audition. Yeah, it's like an audition to see who you're, gonna, who you're going to pay, who you're going to release. Because from the looks of it, 
Um, it looks like they're going to clean house. They're going to clean house. Uh, they're going to clean house. You got to see what you're getting out of Jameis because he's due for his fifth option. And you, you, you don't want to really rebuild at the quarterback position. Like at any other position, you can, you know, make make way. But at the quarterback position, you really don't want to rebuild because you really cleaning house. And you've seen how long it took us. Yeah, that's the that's the one who runs the team. So pretty much, you like you said, you don't want to rebuild at that position. And exactly. And there's been mixed opinion. If you if you're on Twitter, uh, most of our listeners are. You see the mixed opinions on. Right in regards to oh go ahead and bring James back oh no keep James on the bench let him get a real offensive coordinator you've seen both sides of the story at at this point there's no reason for Fitz to really be playing if his production is similar to what James production with the interceptions and the turnovers James should be getting the reps he should be getting there to get better uh, and to see if he's actually going to be the quarterback um, in our near future so. Hopefully they switch it back over to him. That's my opinion. They should. I completely agree with you, Corey. He should be the starting quarterback for next week. And we're going to see what he got in these last these last uh, seven games. Seven games. Yeah, hopefully we do see what he has and if he is going to be the future for this franchise because we as fans are getting tired of rebuilding every single three four years firing head coaches every two to three years it's it gets old as a fan base you just want to win and like you said these are going to be audition games so Jameis will hopefully have the last seven games to prove that he's worth that fifth year option next year because if he doesn't prove it then the team can just let him go in March for for no penalty so we'll we'll see these last seven games what happens in the quarterback position um Speaking on our running backs, Peyton Barber had 13 carries for 61 yards. No touchdowns, of course. We never get touchdowns on the ground, and we didn't score any touchdowns, period, in this game. But I still don't understand why um, when Peyton Barber gets hot, we pull we pull him from the game and we bring in the other running backs. Like um, Peyton Barber's making his own runs. The dude, the dude runs hard. I see a lot of people talk bad about him, but the dude runs hard every single play he's in the game. There's a reason he's our starting running back. He gets hit four yards deep in the backfield, and he still gets positive yardage from it because that's how hard of a runner is. I saw one play where he was hit on the sideline and somehow escaped on the sideline for a nine-yard gain. I was like, how did he get out of that little hole right there? That just goes to show you that um, something's wrong with our offense running-wise, and it's not the running backs. It's it's something else. It has to be. It's the scheme, absolutely. It's the scheme. It has to be the scheme because, because this was a close game um, until the second half. Like, there's no reason in a close game that he ended the game with only 13 carries on the ground. So that's a schematic problem because, and we dominated pretty much time of possession as well. So why is he only getting 13 carries? Why, if he's your hot back, why is he only getting 13 carries? You need him to get 13 carries and our backup running back only had two carries. So 
That's that's something. Our two back running backs combined for three carries, and our quarterback ran eight times. So, like you said, it, it's a scheme thing. We go away from the run too much, even when we're not down two, three scores in the second half. We still go away from the run, and it gets on my nerves because I see a lot of people say we don't have a run game. Well, it's the coaching that doesn't give us a run game. And speaking of the coaching... Dirk Cutter took over play calling in this game. He admitted it to the media that he took over play calling. And that just sealed your fate, Dirk. You took over play calling, and look what happened. The team could not execute. The team could not score. Like I said, we had over 500 yards of total offense. But that doesn't mean anything. If you can't execute in the red zone, you can't score, you can't do anything on offense, then then what are you taking over the play calling for, man? And not only that, when they asked him in the, in, in the press conference, oh, why... Why wasn't Todd Monken calling the plays? I have my, I reasons. my reasons. What what are, what are your reasons, Dirk? You, you really going to say that? You really going to throw your coach like, what, under the bus what, like that? What 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 is really the the point? Are you trying to go down with the ship like you know you're going to? Is that why you took over play calling once again? Because you know your 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 season is pretty much done. You're you're done as the head coach at the end of the year. Are you trying to take everybody else down with you? Is that why Todd Munkin had the Bucks as the number one offense in the NFL? And when Dirk Cutter takes over, we score three points. Three points. And our second leading receiver in this game was a running back, Jaquiz Rogers, with 102 receiving yards. So that goes to show you that Dirk either wants to throw deep or he wants to throw to his running back that he's known for many years in the NFL because he was on the other teams with him. Yeah, he. I mean, you, you have your players, you know, that trust, you know, that know the system. But, uh, man, listen, you got to put the best players on the field and the best players in position to be successful. Unfortunately for Jacquees Rogers, that fumble was pretty much the nail in the coffin. Um, very costly. It was costly, very costly, because it, it traveled 30 yards from the 20-yard line all the way to the back of the end zone, which the Redskins recovered for a touchback. We were driving once again. That's another thing, our offensive woes in the red zone. We were in the red zone six times, and we got a field goal out of it. So, And you can't. You can't win games that way. We threw two picks and 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 the multiple fumbles. So we had what four turnovers this game that we lost. And then on top of yeah. that, for the season, we're at a negative nineteen. Negative negative nineteen. I think it's negative twenty now because Fitz fumbled in the fourth quarter. I believe that was negative twenty. Um, so no, it's, it's not. It's nineteen. It's nineteen. Is was that nineteen? Yeah, that that fumble was nineteen. Yeah, this is this. Th- we're on pace right now to break NFL records very, very badly, and it's not even the defense's fault. Yes, the defense can't get any turnovers, but the offense is not helping them when the turnovers are are in the opposite direction. The offense keeps turning the ball over every game. Four turnovers, you're never gonna win. So. In my opinion, it's just it's not one player. It's it's the whole scheme, like you said, and it's got to change, and it's got to change fast. Well, they got they got to roll with that at this point because um, you can you can try and shake it up. I mean, if, even if they fire Dirk Cutter tomorrow, what is it really going to accomplish? Who's gonna? I don't I don't know who's going to take over for him if if they would fire him. Exactly. So there's there's no, I don't think there's no reason to to fire tomorrow. I'm sure. He'll be flyered on what they call it, Black Monday. Yeah, his name will be called on Black Monday. Black Monday, Black Monday. He, it looks like, uh, it looks like the door is closing on Dirk Cutter's tenure in Tampa. 
because it just looks unorganized from what from what we've seen between going back between Todd Market and him calling the plays, between with the fiasco with Mike Smith and going to Duffner and the defense not being prepared for games, or they start out really slow and then they turn it up in the second half. This all goes back to you as the head coach. And and he knows that. Exactly. It's a reflection on your leadership as the head coach. Like You have to get this team ready in all aspects of the game to play on Sunday. So... They asked him in the press conference about it. They were like, Dirk, um, how do you feel about your job security? And he was like, that's kind of a contradicting question. Like I said, it all starts with me, and of course it finishes with me. So, Dirk, you you pretty much know your tenure in Tampa is about to end. So try and go out with a high note at least, man, because fans are tired of seeing the same crap every single year with our offense and our defense because one is playing good and the other one's playing bad or one is playing bad and the other one's playing good we just can't get consistency out of this team ever exactly and that's how it happens man we come out first first game of the season light it up oh we beat the saints they they haven't lost since they lost us (laughs) they have not We go out there we beat the saints we look like a team that's going to be a force in the nfl for the season and then the season comes on, and then it's just the same old Bucks, mediocre. Yeah, so let's 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 go away from the Bucks offense for a second and talk about the Redskins defense that gave up the 500 total yards to our offense. Mason Foster, former Buccaneer, ten tackles on the day. He made his impact in in this game by hitting a bunch of our players. Um, Josh Norman on the first drive fits through an interception at the goal line. Josh Norman was the one who picked him off. Josh Norman, that was pretty much the only play that Josh Norman made in this game because after that play, they had Josh Norman shadowing Mike Evans, which pretty much took Mike Evans out of the game with a safety over the top of that. So it looked like Haha Clinton Dix or DJ Swearinger was helping always on whoever was on Mike Evans, which the majority of the game was... Josh Norman. Then we had, who else did we have on their defense that played well? Gary Strowman. He had the other interception on our own side of the field off of Fitzpatrick, which uh, led them to scoring on us. That was that was a costly score right there. The defense had them in third and long, and Doxson caught it in the back of the end zone. But we'll talk about their offense in a little bit. And that's that's what they had. And they also had, what was it, two sacks on the day on Fitz. But it seemed like they got a lot more than just two pressures on him because they did. Fitz had to run eight times, so they got pressure on him where he had to step up in the pocket and run. So their defense was getting pressure on our quarterback, even though they gave up 500 yards of total offense. Before I talk about the defense... What was Fitz thinking on that scramble where he clearly had the first down and he started to run? You run east-west? Aren't you targeting football to run north-south? And then ran backwards a little bit. I was like, Fitz, like, this is not Fitz magic we know. You had you had the first down clearly. You could have dove like you did on the rest of your runs, but instead you run to the sideline and and lose a yard. I was like, oh man, here we go. And then our red zone woes continued there. I don't know. It it's just like everything that could have went wrong with the Bucks attempting to get points did go wrong for them. 
Yeah, yeah, it did. Unfortunately, what what were your thoughts on their defense? I think their defense played well, um, and I th- I think they they utilized bend don't break. They capitalized on their opportunity with the turnovers, um, and once once they got inside the inside the twenties, that's where unfortunately we shut down. We got and, shut down big time inside the twenties, like we, we said. The ball. We could move the ball between the twenties. Oh, we can mm, dump off pad, mm, mid range pass. Okay, let's move the ball. But that what they made the plays when the plays need to be made, and that's that's what the, you got sixty minutes to make plays when plays need to be made, and they did that, and we didn't. Like so, you said, bend but don't break. They they absolutely exactly. did bend but don't break, and it showed the whole game because we only scored those three points. Three three points with 500 yards of offense. Pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic, and like I mentioned earlier, it's never been done in the history of the NFL. 500 yards and three points. Um, a lot of the fan base. A lot of the fan base agreed with me when I said that. This team just looks like it quit on Dirk Cutter because the offense did look like it quit on Dirk Cutter a few times, and it just it just spiraled down downward from there. Sad, sad. What's the next topic? We're going to talk about the Redskins' offense for a bit. Uh, Alex Smith went 19 for 27 on the day with 178 yards and one touchdown. That one touchdown came off the turnover on the – the other end of the field where he threw to Josh Doxson in the back of the end zone, which looked like on replay, it was uh, he touched the back line and the pass was incomplete. But as they showed more angles, his foot did not touch the white line and he held onto the ball with his hand underneath it. So it was confirmed as a touchdown. So that was their only offensive touchdown on the day. 178 yards passing from their offense against our defense which is damn good because our defense gives up damn near 400 yards passing every single game. So, uh, granted, it is Alex Smith, and he was down two receivers, but he still had some weapons on that offense. So, I don't want to hear, oh, it was the Redskins. Oh, that, their their offense was good. Adrian Peterson, he had 19 rushes for 68 yards. He didn't come out and play like he did when he was in Arizona, but he's been lighting it up in the NFL this year. So, our defense came to play when it, when it came to – Stopping the run. Our defense made plays. Our our defense slowed them down. I this this game is not on defense today. Absolutely defense, not. De- defense did their job, man. Defense slowed the the opposition down. Gave us opportunities by getting the ball back. Well, not with turnovers, but with I, I saw some three and outs. Three and outs. Some good things. Yeah. Where we slowed them down. AP did not run wild on us like I thought he would because I started him in DraftKings. Bad choice and. We got stops, but unless you're getting a, a pick six, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, that ain't going to put up no points either. And it's, it's a three-phase game. There's there's defense, there's offense, there's special teams. And we got the stops. What we've been looking for, we want our defense to at least play average. They played average. Oh, they played They played above average today. Uh, they, played, they played good. And, they played and good. we've been preaching that. Right, and we've been preaching that on the podcast. If our defense can just play average, if they can just be average on the field, we'll win games. We got but, that today. But we got it today, but our offense laid an egg. The offense laid an egg. Like how? Like how? 
Like how? Come on, man. <laughs> like we can't win for losing. Yeah, our defense was was uh impressive. A lot of people said that they were impressed with the way the defense came out and played against the Redskins. They expected another dud performance from them, but uh, I have to give them props for the most part. For the most part, they're going to get props. They're still not getting props because they haven't gotten a turnover since week three. But for the most part, coverage-wise and run-stopping-wise, they were good. Uh, Jordan Whitehead had an opportunity to get an interception off Alex Smith, which unfortunately, if his head was up a little bit more, he would have had to pick. He just was not paying attention to the ball. He was paying attention to the receiver in front of him, which was Jordan Reed. So I understand a little bit. But still... Whitehead, you got to catch the ball, man. That would have turned turned the game over for us as well. So you got to catch that ball, man. Um, Justin Evans led the day with nine tackles for us. Levante David had seven tackles on the day. Levante David had an injury scare in this game. Um, Bucks fans were scared. He was holding a knee, which um, some some analysts feared that it was a torn ACL, just like Quan Alexander. But he ended up coming back into the game, which is a positive for our defense. We could not lose all three of our starting linebackers because we still don't know what's going to happen with Kendall Beckwith because they have until Wednesday to activate him. If they do not activate him by Wednesday, then he's going on IR for the rest of the season. So um, it's good to see that Levante came back onto the field and played the rest of the game. Andrew Adams had five tackles on the day. Um, and he's come up big for us in coverage sometimes. He was a he was a pickup for us midseason, and he's been he's doing well for us right now. Carlton Davis had five tackles on the day. Like I said, we're tackling. We're just we're just not causing turnovers, which doesn't win games, especially if the defense is not causing the turnovers. Because the saying is, defense wins championships. Well, that's with turnovers, guys. Yeah, you got You got to get the turnover. Negative nineteen in turnovers for the season. You can't even fathom that. Like, you, you really have to be playing some bad football. And unfortunately, the Buccaneers are just playing some bad football at the moment. Yeah, if it's not one side of the ball, it's the other side of the ball. We didn't even talk about Mike Evans dropping the end zone. Well, that that wasn't really his fault. Fitz threw it at the ground. He had to, he had to twist and turn, and by the time he laid back, the ball fell out of his hand. Um, like Mike Evans had to lay out for the ball plenty of times in this game. He Fitz's did. passes were so behind him or so in front of him that he actually laid his body on the line to go out and get the catches for Fitz. Deshaun Jackson even had some catches in this game, but we already talked about our offense, so. That's that's something for another day. Our offense just needs to regroup. Hopefully they get three back, like we said, and then we'll see what happens from there. On our defensive side, since we're still talking about them, we had three sacks on the day. One from our star defensive lineman, Gerald McCoy. One from Carl Nassib. And one from the rookie, Vita Vea. So congratulations to Vita Vea on his first career sack. But still, three sacks against a depleted Redskins offensive line. That's not going to cut it. Especially when they were down three starters. And one of their starters was also playing the game with an injured knee. So that was considered a fourth starter with an injury. So that's no excuse. You should have had seven or eight sacks on this guy. But instead... We didn't let him pick us apart, but we just didn't get pressure on him. Yeah, and that's big part of the game. Got to get the pressure. I mean, there was a couple times um, where we sent the Heat, and the Heat didn't get home, and you're going to pay the price. If you don't get pressure, guys are going to complete passes. So 
Yeah, this is one of them things, man. Where I was expecting uh, Jason Pierre-Paul to have a big game, and I didn't hear his name once. I was I was surprised that I didn't hear his name once. I was actually um, watching the game with my dad on video chat, and he mentioned it a few times. Jason Pierre-Paul was just falling to the ground on his own when the runner was running outside. I was like, "What? What's going on, JPB man? You you've been a beast the first eight games of the year, and now the game with the most depleted defensive line or offensive line, you're not getting any pressure. What's going on, man?" Yeah, I I don't know what what they're going through the motions or what exactly it is for them, but I think at this point, especially with this loss today, you're gonna see more more players not giving 100% effort. Uh, just because they know the season's over. Like, the goal to start any season is to get to the playoffs. Once you're not playing for the playoffs, you're going to see who really cares about their numbers for their career, or they're going to be out there making business decisions. Um, and those business decisions, you know, not going extra hard to recover a fumble, not diving on the football, not, you know, going, making those extra plays, those extra miles on plays, where it could possibly be an injury risk, and you you'll see it you'll you'll see it on the field it'll show up. I uh I don't want to believe what you just said in that the team is not going to go a hundred percent since they're three and six. Uh, JPP talked about it in his little video that the Buccaneers take it where they're interviewing the guys after the game, and he said I've never experienced losing. I guess you have to experience losing in order to win. Well. We've been losing for 11 years in Tampa now, so uh, I don't know if we're ever going to experience winning for a while. So you guys do need a culture change inside of that locker room, JPP. It all starts with with you as a veteran, so you need to go ahead and step up right now and declare change, make the change. I saw Quan Alexander out there before the game. The man has a torn ACL, but he's still out there pumping up the team. He He's still the heartbeat of our defense. He's. We could tell he's missed, but it's it's still no excuse. Our injuries have depleted our team, but like I said, that's still no excuse for the way that they come out. And either one side of the ball shits the bed, or the other side does. And like I mentioned earlier, we need consistency. Consistency is key, and winning teams have consistency from both sides of the ball. You see it with the New Orleans Saints. They they come out on offense firing on all cylinders, and then they have a revamped defense, and they come out firing on all cylinders. So it it's consistency on both sides of the ball, and it's got to happen soon, and it's got to happen very, very soon. How soon? Probably like we mentioned earlier, Black Monday, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think the Glazers are gonna, you know, clean house um, mid-season. I just don't think it would make sense to be honest. I mean, if it was something really bad that happened, like an issue with Kurt like blowing up, <laughs> having a meltdown, yes. But there's really no point. Finish out the year, fire him the day after the season's over with. I know they're probably already starting their coach, their their coaching search, uh, and sure they have scouts looking at all available options. If we have to look into a new quarterback, hopefully Jameis can play, play lights out and show he still belongs and can be that leader of the franchise. But everything is up in the air, and everybody has something to prove right now.
Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, like we mentioned a little bit ago, it's going to be an audition for the last seven games of the season. We're going to have some salary tied up to a bunch of these players, so the Glazers need to stop paying so much attention to Manchester United and need to pay a little bit more attention to the Buccaneers because this is their money that they're spending on these players, and they need to know who they're going to keep and who they're going to get away and that starts against the Giants this coming week. So hopefully we'll see our leader, number three, at the helm once again to prove that he belongs and that he will be the franchise quarterback of this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'll be watching. Um, I mean, I watch every game. So um, hopefully it can be a more enjoyable experience because Lord knows this one was another frustrating um, event to watch during the game so Sundays Sundays are just no fun anymore they they take the energy out of everybody every single Sunday I see it all the time my dad who's been a fan since the beginning of the franchise in 1976 my dad said that he he just can't take it anymore it's it's so bad that he can't take it he wishes that we still had a defense as hard as the 1999 to the 2003 Bucks defense which I agree with um, our defense has gotten us into plenty plenty holes in Jameis's tenure in Tampa Bay but this game was not one of them this game our defense did not get us into a hole it was on our offense so hopefully our offense can turn it around once again against New York coming up and we'll talk about New York in the podcast at the end of the week but hopefully our offense can turn around and our defense can just stay the same as they were this this game against the Redskins yep I mean that's that's all we got is this is hope they can not embarrass us next Sunday that's some embarrassing stuff we see on the field man they find new ways to lose and the fans are just sick of you can see it from the crowd that was there at the game. It was a lot of, you could hear the Redskins chants during the broadcast. And you can just see the enthusiasm has deflated for for this team for this season. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes coming up in the coming week. But for now, we are officially done with the Redskins postgame podcast. I am your co-host, Corey Hayes. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And go ahead and follow me as well, co-host CJ at Corey J863. Go ahead and follow the All Things Bucks page on Twitter as well at All Things TV Bucks. Go ahead and follow our podcast page at ATB Podcast underscore. Either myself or CJ is active on the podcast page, so you can go ahead and interact with us on there. Love talking Bucks football with every single one of our fellow Bucks fans, Bucks media, anybody associated with the Bucks. So go ahead and give us a follow. And that about wraps up this podcast. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. See you in the Meadowlands. 